It's time for the show that scours the globe for news that interests you. We've scoured a few other planets, too. Didn't find much. Coming to you almost live from their command center just beneath the Earth's crust, here's Jeremy Bray and Wesley Faulkner with Global Geek News. Welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast, the show that tries to answer the question, just what the heck is going on in the media, entertainment, and technology worlds. As always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, better known as PC Nerd 37 to most of you. And on the other end of Skype is my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are great. These are awesome. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's been... Well, when was our last show? Wasn't it like October or something? It was a long, long time ago. Yeah, way too long for me to really remember. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just trying to... Let me see if I can find out when our last show was. This is episode 96 for those keeping count. But, yeah, I think I'm wanting to say it was last October. Yeah. Man, people are going to be surprised when this pops up in their feed. I'm, I'm actually kind of curious to know how many people are still subscribed after all this time. Yeah. I, I know I've got a... I use PodTrack so I can actually look that up. Let me see. Check that too here. Well, ah, stupid slow internet. Let's just say two, two people still subscribe. You and I. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hmm. It has a big question mark for subscribers. That's just wonderful. Okay, so still accurate then. Although 103 episodes have been downloaded over the last 90 days, which is kind of odd, but. Hmm. But anyway. We are back, at least for this week, anyway. So, um, do we want to get started in with stories, or what? Yeah, let's just jump right in. Alrighty. Yeah, because everything else seems to be crapping out for me. I, I don't know if it's Opera, my internet connection, or my SERP, or the web host. Spent quite a while on last night talking with him. Apparently, I'm using up too much CPU on my account, although I'm not doing anything. I don't know. Anyway. Hey, it's, let's blame it on the crappy developers, 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 developers. How about we just blame it on the crappy, crappy, crappy CEO? Oh, yes. Steve Ballmer. <laughs> yeah, this is a, our first story. Is uh, Ballmer says that uh, 500 million users will have Windows 8 in 2013. Interesting when they say have. Uh, I wonder if that means that in 2013 they'll have the ability to. Or will they automatically upgrade uh, Windows 7 users to Windows 8 to get that number? Because that's, that's the only way I see them hitting 500 million users. Well, as far as upgrades go, it seems like I saw last week or something like that starting... I want to say it's like June 15th or something like that. You'll be able... If you purchase a new Windows PC... Between then and the launch of Windows 8, you'll be able to get an upgrade to Windows 8 for like $15, I think it is. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, they do that for every release. If not free, uh, then shipping costs for them to send you the media. Yeah, well, and anymore, you almost don't need the shipping costs because just download it online for the most part. 
Yeah, I, I hope they do a, a digital delivery, but they've always been scared of that, I guess, because of uh, counterfeiters and, and piraters. That's one thing they've never seemed to handle real well is the whole piracy thing. It's like they're, they try and do stuff about it, and then it usually comes back to bite the users. Or maybe that's how they're going to hit 500 million users. <laughs> I think to hit that, hit that huge number, they're going to have to pay people to use it. Oh, so you don't like uh, Windows 8, is that it? Not in the least. I installed it a couple of weeks ago on a netbook. I spent pretty much the whole Saturday screwing around, trying to get it up and running. It was a complete disaster. Metro wouldn't work because apparently the resolution on my netbook isn't high enough, so it it would load up, but when I'd try to click on any apps or anything, it would say that it throw up an error saying that it couldn't launch it because my screen resolution isn't good enough. So I flipped over to the desktop. Settings and stuff are so buried you can't hardly find anything. And in the end, it was just a complete disaster. Then I tried to install Ubuntu over top of that, and it really didn't like that. That took me a couple hours just to try and get it as to where it would let me do that. It, it, it's a total nightmare. Yeah, it seems when uh, Microsoft releases a new OS, uh, it's usually the second version of a revamp that works out. For instance, uh, Millennium and then XP. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you look at Vista, then Windows 7. Uh, And when you look at Windows 95, then Windows 98. um, it, It seems like when they do a total revamp, that first version is extremely buggy. Um, so I hope they break the mold uh, and uh, actually uh, get out of this rut with Windows 8 and that they don't repeat their their bad releases. But um, hearing what you're saying, it sounds like um, they're on track to do just that. Yeah, I know of several people that have been playing around with Windows 8 and within a day or two they've already given up on it. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think you could probably sooner talk me into going back to Windows 98 rather than switching to Windows 8. Yeah, and it didn't seem like from what I read that it's really any better uh, than Windows 7, except only if you have a tablet and you're using a touch interface. So if you're looking to upgrade, I don't see much of an advantage uh, on older hardware. Yeah, if, if, it's, if you're doing something with... If you have something that has touch, whether it's a tablet or one of those... What is it? HP Home oh, Smart Touch Touch Yeah, whatever yeah. those are. Then I could maybe see it, but for just a normal laptop or desktop, it's kind of painful to use. And and that's assuming you can even get it to work in the first place. But what's really mind-boggling is how they're com- how Steve Ballmer is just kind of picked this number out of thin air apparently cuz Last year, PC sales were $350 million. Now, I don't see that... Even if they sold a whole bunch of tablets, I don't see that they can sell $350 million Windows 8 PCs plus another $150 million tablets to get this $500 million number for next year. Yeah. The only way I see it is upgrade cycle, if they make it extremely cheap to upgrade from Windows 7... But they have never done that in the past, and I don't think they'll start that now because um, they're going to need that revenue uh, because that's where they make their money on operating system sales and on Office. And I, th- I think that's kind of 
the big question mark is how the next office is going to do because I think it seems like a lot of times that almost kind of sells the new version of Windows because they usually kind of release them around the same time period so they kind of go arm in arm together. Uh-huh, arm in arm. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that kind of transitions us to our next story about um, Office may not be in the role of selling operating systems, at least not Microsoft's anyway, because they're thinking about releasing it on iOS and Android. I can understand releasing it for the iPad. Having Office on a smaller device like an iPod Touch, like they're talking about, I, I can maybe even see an iPhone, but like on an iPod Touch, it seems kind of useless, even on an iPhone to an extent. And why they would even spend the resources to have it for an Android tablet seems kind of silly since there's not many people that even have an Android tablet. Uh, I think Android tablets are actually doing fairly well when you rope in like the Kindle Fire into the mix and all of the platforms together. Uh, the hardware keeps getting cheaper and cheaper, um, and uh, they're going to have quad-core soon, uh, which is, uh, was it the, during CES, what was the quad-core tablet? It's going to be like 250 Uh It seems like I saw some stories in the last day or so of them being 200 according to NVIDIA, I believe. Yeah, 200 I mean, that's insane. So I think that might put it in the hands of a lot of people, especially if you can get Office on it. Think about the amount of people who would deploy this in their business over an iPad due to the cost if they can get um, Office on it, just for that reason. It could be just an Office viewer uh, and editor for many corporations out there. So it, it may actually drive Android sales. Uh, I haven't heard of any like runaway successful Android tablets other than the Kindle Fire, which mm-hmm. from my understanding sales have pretty much fallen off a cliff and it's getting lots of returns and it's turning into a failure just about. Right. But, so I'd, well, I'm just saying that Office could be the killer app to revamp uh, Android tablet sales. It might, but it, it just seems like at this point... There's not enough market share there to justify porting Office to it. I, I, can, I can see yeah. it for the iPad just because there's, I don't know how many tens of millions of iPads have sold at this point, or hundreds of millions or whatever, but I there's no numbers like that for the Android that would make any sense for this. Yeah, you may be right. Uh... Uh, and plus, these are just rumors, so they may not even be true. It might be iOS only and not actually for Android. Uh, but the, the another reason why it might make sense for Microsoft to release it on Android is because they actually do get a cut from every Android sale made through licensing. So I can totally see them doing that. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question. What price point would Office go for on a tablet device because mm. when you're looking at it on the desktop or whatever, it's not a cheap program. True. E- even f- like the student version or whatever is like, what, isn't it like 120 bucks or something like that? I think the student version is a little cheaper, but for tablet devices, I think 20 bucks is the magic price point. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm got my iPad out right now. I'm trying to look to see what Apple charges for. Their office applications here. 
You mean iWorks? Uh, well, I, I don't know if you can get iWorks as a whole. It's I think you can just buy the different applications separately, I believe. Mm. Uh, let's see. Categories. Uh, I'm going to go with business, maybe. Or productivity, one of the two. Yeah, here we go under productivity. You can get pages for ten bucks, keynote ten bucks, numbers ten bucks. So yeah, they're basically ten bucks a piece. I'm kind of wondering if they're going to do the same thing with Office and split up Word, Excel, and PowerPoint and mm-hmm. whatever, and sell them separately and charge it that way, or if they would do all bundled as one and charge maybe like forty bucks or something. I would say bundled. Microsoft doesn't. They don't want to split it up like that. At least I don't think so. Um, I mean, it'd be hard to call it Office if it's only one application. So, um, yeah, I think they probably will bundle it. And if they do twenty dollars, I mean, they'll make a ton of money. They'll own the market. Um, and I think they need to do something exciting and aggressive. Uh, in order to to get adoption on all these other platforms and get Microsoft uh, on every every device that's out there. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how this turns out and if it actually comes out in November like the rumor is spreading. It should be interesting to kind of see. But one of the good things about tablets is you really don't have to worry too much about piracy. At least oh. compared to PCs. Yeah, um, probably not as much, but it seems like piracy, according to our next article, uh, piracy is actually up uh, over last year. It's just it's on the rise. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised by that because it seems like I don't. I've kind of given up my software pirating ways. What? It has been a long time since we've done a podcast. Oh no! Don't worry. Mute music, movie, or TV shows and stuff like that. I'm still all all right there, but. Software-wise, I haven't really had any reason to pirate anything for a long time. I mean, the closest thing would maybe be, like, ROMs from old video games from 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. But otherwise, I don't know the last time I pirated any software, because I haven't needed to. Everything I can get, usually I have connections or whatever that I can get something for free, like from companies that... I work with on occasion or something like that, or there's an open source alternative or something like that that I'll use. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've gotten I, open source for a lot of stuff. Yeah, I haven't had to pirate anything in forever. Um, I mean, there's usually uh, now a pay option for different types of media, and uh, it being available on multiple platforms means that uh, the prices stay reasonable. Uh, and... Uh, you have like Amazon MP3 giving away free music. You have the Google Play Store that gives away free music. Um, there, there's a Hulu. There's YouTube. There's uh, Amazon Prime. There's there's iTunes. There's there's plenty of places out there to get media that I personally haven't had to to, to one pirate and two when I do buy things I don't have to spend a ton of money which makes it super easy. Yeah, I, I just went through now and looked through all the programs I have on my PC. 
There's not a single one of them that's pirated. Right. So, so I'm definitely in the minority on this since apparently 57% of users now admit to using pirated software within the last year. Yeah, and also, personally, I'm more mobile than I was before. I'm on my phone more than I'm on my PC. I'm on my iPad probably more than I am on... If I'm not working on like blog posts or something like that, yeah. then I'm pretty much on my iPad most of the time. Yeah, so yeah, so that's probably it. That's uh, so maybe this is uh, the statement about piracy on the rise. It's definitely a, a worldwide uh, statement and less of a U.S. statement. Well, I said they surveyed fifteen thousand people from thirty-three countries, so yeah. I'm guessing maybe they were looking at some of the poor countries because those have always had a historically much higher piracy rate, especially com- countries like China. So. I'm guessing maybe they interviewed a bunch of people from China and that kind of skewed the numbers a little bit or something. Yeah, uh, that's what I. Yeah, where uh, they haven't embraced the mobile revolution with uh, uh, different tablets and phones and stuff like that. I think probably where PCs are more prevalent, that's probably where piracy is on the rise. Yeah, it says that the study found that computer users in emerging markets are more likely to pirate software than in mature ones, 68% against 24%, respectively. Okay, well, there you go. And uh, I'm not seeing it right now. I've read in here earlier that piracy is more common with males. So apparently women don't pirate much. Which, um, I suppose I gotta kind of understand that. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of piracy, and it seems that Kim.com doesn't want to give up his passwords and show everything that he's been pirating. Hey, he has not had his day in court, so you cannot say he was pirating. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one knows for sure since the U.S. government seems to have run off with his hard drives. Yeah, and uh, there, there was, he was supposed to get noticed before they got sent to the U.S. government, but he didn't, uh, and they got sent anyway. Um, and there's probably little chance that the U.S. government would even bring a case against him because he's overseas. This this whole thing's a mess, and he wants to get his data, but they won't give him his data until they give him the password. So it's like, you know, uh, I'll, I'll show you how the seizure was like, you know, not as it was. Over heavy-handed, and I don't know. It's it's a lot of back and forth. Yeah, I've been following this for a while, and or ever since it started, and ever since then, all kinds of things have gotten botched. They've lost all the security camera footage of the raid and everything. The U.S. has way overstepped its bounds because, from my understanding, the U.S. can't bring criminal charges against a company in a foreign country. Yeah, and from it seems like it's whatever, I don't remember if it's the judge in the U.S. side of things or in New Zealand or whatever, but they're basically saying there's pretty much no case, there's no way they can have a case here because things have been botched so badly. Uh, yeah, Auckland, New Zealand. Yeah. Probably. So at this point, it's kind of like, okay, why are we even bothering anymore? Just give him back his computers and hard drives and forget the whole thing instead of wasting more money on it. Yeah, um, yeah. This thing is just totally me- has become unrecognizable from any case, uh, from where it started to where it is now. Uh, there's just been. It feels like this is the beta case for them trying to take down 
uh, a large organization that is uh, is somewhat legitimate. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one of the things I'm kind of curious about is why is he demanding access to 135 computers? What do you need on 135 different computers? <laughs> I, I can uh, see having your tax documents or something on one or two computers, but ha- needing access to 135 computers plus hard drives seems like a bit crazy. Yeah, I th- think he doesn't know what he's looking for, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe something's distributed against all of them uh, in some way. I don't know, unless he's got some kind of a crazy system set up with like extreme redundancy over the entire <laughs> network or something like that. Oh, yeah. Some but if he's running brain. that many computers at once, I'd like to see his power bill. That's got to be nuts. <laughs> well, it's zero now. Um, <laughs> yeah, he has no power. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think this will ever get settled. This will probably just get dropped, like you said, and, uh, and he's probably just going to be let go and... Uh, he's going to start another company with building off of this uh, being notorious. Uh, I know what I'm kind of curious about is when this happened, it seemed to really scare a lot of these other file lockers, like a rapid share and stuff, as to where they really changed their policies. I'm wondering if they're watching this and realizing how bad this got botched up, that they're actually not too worried and maybe will go back to the way they were doing things. Yeah, or allow them to have safe haven in different countries that won't do this. Uh, because if, if they, you know, what the Pirate Bay has been advocating uh, for a, a, a long time is this, we'll just set up in a place where you can't touch us, in which that might just happen. One would hope so. I, I don't know. I'm still waiting for all the py- um, piracy places just to move to Sealand. Yeah. <laughs> say screw everybody else. Either that or build themselves their own island out in the middle of the ocean or something. Yeah, Sealand may be a little too small <laughs> to to fit all those companies. But it, it, and they would and I think ultimately the US government would love that because they would just have a SEAL team come up, go over there, swim swim and cut the cut the cable. Yeah. They probably aren't too afraid of war with Sealand. No. Next to Canada. <laughs> yeah, just about. Oh, I'd probably be a little bit more afraid of Canada. Never know when they may send some enraged moose down to <laughs> attack everybody. Well, it seems like you're going to need some troops because um, in our next story, file sharing uh, prospers despite tougher laws. Yeah, this kind of really doesn't surprise me too much. I remember when I was in school, it's like whenever the school would come up with some way of they would there'd always be policies like you can do this, couldn't do that. And they would always come up with ways to try and keep an eye on us or whatever. We'd always find a way to hide our activities and get around it and do whatever we wanted to anyway. So that this seems like and the main I think the survey was primarily between fifteen and twenty five year olds, so this kinda makes a lot of sense it's younger people that really don't see what they're doing is wrong so they're just going to do whatever they need to do to do what they want to do yeah but the way it's phrased maybe i'm confused and maybe they were confused too if it was just a survey because it's called file sharing i don't see anything wrong with sharing files but 
pirated illegal files, maybe. But uh, it's it, the question is how how was this survey done, and if they did it in a way where they're saying file sharing. I would assume that when they did the survey, they're probably talking about file sharing in relationship to movies and music and software, rather th- or that are illegal to do, rather than downloading Ubuntu or something like that. Yeah, but I'm just saying if I got if I could get confused by the wording, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the 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 way that they interviewed these individuals, um, they could have gotten confused with the wording too. Could be. You never you never know. After all, these are younger people. They may not know a whole lot. Who knows? Yeah. Then again, I shouldn't talk. I am still in this age range. Yes, you are. <laughs> For another year. <laughs> but if someone said, I mean, think about it. Have you ever shared a file with someone? Like, think about it. You've emailed. Tons of files to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the word file sharing is very vague. But, yeah, I, I would just assume that they're talking about copyright infringement since they're saying tougher laws, because as far as I know, if there's no real laws against file sharing for Ubuntu or sending files, like Office documents, back and forth to each other. Yeah, but think about it. This, if you're talking about the government, they, these are the same people who are saying BitTorrent should be banned. Yeah, well, I think that's mostly just people that don't understand BitTorrent in the first place. Which means it could be the same people who made the survey and worded it in a way that didn't make that distinction. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, apparently this was, the research itself was done by CyberNorm, the CyberNorm's research project from Lund University, which I'm I'm not even sure where the Lund University is. Uh, Let's do a quick Google on that. Uh, one of Europe's most prestigious universities and Scandinavia's largest institution for education and research. It's in Sweden. Hmm. So, if there's anybody that knows anything about file sharing, and it should be the Swedes. Yes. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. They probably knew. <laughs> uh, what kind of amazed me was the number, uh, I think it was down at the very bottom of the story, that 40% of the people that they surveyed in this 15 to 25-year-old age range now hide their online activities through VPN services. Ooh, nice. <laughs> so I'm amazed smarter. that 40% actually know about VPN services. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty amazing. Uh, I, I know that there's people that use it, but it seems like a lot of the VPN services, especially for doing this kind of activity, it seems like you have to pay like a monthly fee for them or whatever, which I've never done any of that yet. Yeah, maybe you need to go do some future research in, in Sweden. Yeah, I I plan on doing that soon, but not yet. I'm waiting till around the time that they implement the whole six strikes ISP <laughs> agreement thing. <laughs> six strikes. Yeah, then I'll have a reason to start hiding stuff. Until then, I'm not too worried. Mm-hmm. I have other precautions that I take. But no matter what precautions you take, you may not be anonymous in New York any much longer. 
yes, at least online. Uh, yeah, our next story talks about how New York legislation is trying to ban anonymous free speech uh, online. Uh, so no more comments without a handle. And if you do have a handle, that handle has to be tied to a distinct identity. Uh, so first name, last name, that kind of thing. This has to be one of the most idiotic things I've ever heard of. They're doing this for all New York-based websites, so blogs, newspapers, or whatever. I would be willing to bet that probably a majority of people who read and comment on those sites don't live in New York to begin with. Right. How would that also affect, Craig, affect Craigslist? I mean, uh, it, can you, you can't post anything on Craigslist with, without putting you know, your information and saying, hey, I have a brand new TV that I want to sell. Oh, and by the way, here's my here's my first name and last name, and you can look me up and steal it if you want. Well, and how are they going to be able to verify that you are who you say you are? I can always say that I'm Wesley Faulkner when I put comments on something, There's, but that doesn't mean I'm you. Yeah, that's true. You have done that in the past, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, this is stupid. Uh, they haven't voted on it yet, but there's no way that this would pass, um, you know, the First Amendment uh, of the Constitution uh, in the Supreme Court. There's no way that it would be upheld. Uh, this, this this seems like just a bunch of ignorant politicians wasting taxpayer money to and time on stupid stuff that just because they're worried about that somebody may say something that'll hurt their reelection campaign. Yeah. And did you see that in this article it stated that um, there must be an easy way for someone to uh, do a kind of like a pulled on order on any content uh, to get it retracted from the site? And it must be really easy for anyone to do that. And the person who submits this does not need to identify themselves. That's one of the things that really that I found to be strange is that you have not only do you have to have an easy way for somebody to come in and say, hey, pull this down, it's not like you can have just one dedicated section on your site, like a contact page that says, report all this stuff here. It has to be on each individual page, like every blog post and stuff has to have be set up with this kind of system. Yeah, the, it's, this is what's called uh, imposing government. Um, and there's <sighs> stupid people suck. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> I, I I look forward to the day that all these older people that don't understand technology die off, and we can get some people that actually know what the heck they're doing in there about this stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, that, that reminds me of a sticker that I saw in a parking lot once. It says. Those that can teach, those who don't regulate teachers. <laughs> Haven't seen one like that yet. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Those who know the internet use it. Those who don't try to legislate it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that these uh, politicians don't seem to understand is that some of the most important documents in America's history were done anonymously or under some sort of pseudonym. Right. Like the Federalist Papers that they mentioned. Yeah, the Federalist Papers, um, the, what was it, Benjamin Franklin's letters to the New England 
current that he did under the name Silence Do Good. Right. All kinds of stuff like that. Uh, Deep Throat with uh, Watergate. Yeah, and stuff like that, it probably would have never been written if they couldn't have done it anonymously. Mm-hmm. So why it's all of a sudden anonymity is a bad thing now, I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Just stupid people. Yeah. But speaking of... stupid. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of stupid people, apparently they seem to run Sprint, too. Oh, oh, yeah. So Sprint uh, has been touting themselves as being the data carrier. Unlimited data, you know, don't have to worry about overages or throttling. And But now they're removing uh, their fairly reasonable plan that charges $6 per gigabyte and replacing it with another two plans that charge $10 per gigabyte and $8.33 per gigabyte. Yeah, this is for hotspot tethering. This isn't for your average use on your phone. This is for mm-hmm. just your mobile hotspot tethering. But is it just me or isn't bandwidth and stuff supposed to get cheaper as the years go by, not more expensive. Yeah, uh, especially if you want to be competitive um, with with all your other ones, because uh, you know AT and T is still running away with it, and um, who and and Verizon is killing it too. Um, Sprint's you know kind of the third carrier. And sadly, that's who my carrier is. Unfortunately, oh. luckily, I don't have a mobile hotspot plan with them. Yeah, and you probably never will. You probably would get a Android uh, phone and load FoxFi and just not have to deal with this. I have an Android phone with them. I want to smash it with a sledgehammer. <laughs> oh, no. It, it, it's a total piece of junk. The Motorola i1. Oh, Maybe. so you're still on that one. Oh, yes, unfortunately. There's talk of upgrading to something else or what I was talking with the boss yesterday about it because Sprint is phasing out their IDEN network that's supposed to be gone by I think it's early middle next year which means everybody else at my office is going to be changed over to the CDMA based two way radio cell phones which is Right now, we're still on the old legacy Nextel network from before Sprint bottom. But me, since I'm the one with the smartphone, there is no smartphone available for any of the CDMA two-way stuff yet for their mm-hmm. Direct Connect. Now, supposedly they're coming out with Android apps, but I really don't want to be on Adro- Android anymore. I, oh, really? I'd prefer to get the iPhone 5 when it comes out, okay. just because... I've already got a ton of iOS apps between my iPod Touch and my iPad, and I really don't want to have to go and buy a whole bunch more new apps. Okay, so yeah, so you're going to be in the Apple circle, and that makes total sense. Um, yeah, I would I would probably do the same thing as those in your boat, but um, but I, hopefully, like these hotspot data plans will go away too, and we can get to a unified data structure. So that you don't have to have a separate hotspot plan with with your phone anymore, which I think is just totally stupid. 
Yeah. Well, and for those curious what the actual plans are, and it doesn't say when these are going into effect or if they maybe they already have, but it's $30 a month right now for 5 gigabytes of data, which is $6 per gigabyte. That's the existing plan that's going away. Now, if you already have that plan, you can keep it. You'll be grandfathered in. You're fine. Although, presumably, if you drop it at any point, then you lose it for good. Mm-hmm. But the two new plans are $20 per month for only 2 gigabytes of data, which is $10 per gigabyte, or $50 per month for 6 gigabytes of data, which is $8.33 per gigabyte. Which, that, I can understand charging more for getting more, but an extra $50 on your monthly phone bill seems like a lot. You're essentially paying an extra $20 to get an extra gigabyte compared to what you're paying now. Yeah, and and also, do they cut you off, or can you incrementally buy if you go over a gig or so? I'm not sure. I've never really looked into that. On Trying to use data on my phone is an absolute nightmare because the old Nextel network, the IDIN network, is really slow. I'm talking, like, dial-up speeds slow between that and the battery life on my phone absolutely sucks so i can't really run apps on it anyway oh wow and the so so slow and junky that trying to run apps is almost impossible anyway wow on my galaxy s2 um i have the i'm on at&t and i have the 4g lte in my area so i have no idea what you're experiencing yeah lucky you i it's like (laughs) Being back in the 90s trying to surf the web on my phone, it's horrible. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm glad that I, that we're in different boats there. But speaking of the possibility of being able to pay more to get more data, Comcast has decided to do something a little bit different, and they're getting rid of their 250-gigabyte data cap, actually bumping it up to 300 gigabytes, and then... You pay more as you use more past that. So I'm on Time Warner. You're on Comcast, are you not? Yes. Okay, so is this going to affect you personally? I'm probably going to be doing a little bit more downloading now that it's going up to 300 gigs. Do you know how close you were to your cap? Unless I'm doing a lot of downloading. If I'm just doing my regular day-to-day stuff, I use about 90 gigs a month. Now, if I if there's some if I do a lot of Netflix watching or something like that, then then it'll go to maybe 150 or something like that. But I always try and give myself a good gap to make sure that I don't go over. Because if you go over the cap, I think it's like two months in a row, they'll cut you off a of service for a year. Yeah. And since they're the only provider around here, I can't really afford to risk that. Well, it sounds like uh, earlier you were cut off, right? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 have, I have a feeling that was more my computer, because my, yeah. my modem was still acting fine, but I don't know, and I could still use it on my iPad, but it's kind of hard to record a podcast on an iPad, or at least I haven't found a way yet. Oh, yeah. But, but this is interesting. I like how Comcast is playing with different models to figure out what works, you know, and they're they're lifting up the restrictions on all their other markets while they're 
experimenting. So to me, this is good. I like innovation. I like change. I like risk taking. As long as it's something to to help move the technology forward, move the billing forward, and make it make sense for everybody, the consumers and the company. On well, one thing, I don't think they mentioned, or at least they didn't mention it in the original Comcast blog post that I read. They didn't mention which markets because they they're testing out two different methods that are there's really not a whole lot of difference to that are just kind of under the same idea of you start out with a 300 gigabyte cap a month and then past that you're paying I think it's an extra ten dollars for the month for every 50 gigs you use beyond that 300. Yeah, I wonder if they haven't made the decision yet of what markets. As far as I'm concerned, they can take as long as they want. Because from the way I read it, until they actually, unless you're in one of these communities that is their test bed, until they actually roll this out, there is no cap, period. So I can just go nuts for however long they take to do this, which usually it seems like Comcast takes like a year to or so to do their testing of whatever, or maybe close to it. So I'm looking forward to having a few months of no caps at all. Yeah. Which means, and which means I'm going to be filling up my server and buying some new hard drives there in the near future. Yeah, and uh, I'm on Time Warner. I don't have caps, but uh, hopefully this will be something that will make them more competitive and could push other cable providers like Time Warner into doing some new and exciting uh, models that, that work better for me. Uh, and I appreciate them kind of getting rid of the uh, hard cap idea. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they never actually cut you off. They'd send you a warning notice or whatever, and, and if you did it, or they'd call you or whatever, and if you did it again, then they'd cut off your service. But I still think the whole idea of caps for network management is idiotic. Because if I'm using all kinds of bandwidth when everybody, when the rest of my neighborhood's asleep, I'm not hurting anybody using all the bandwidth, so I should just be able to use as much as I want. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I see no purpose in restricting me. And with the speeds that Comcast gives, if I remember correctly, I can... I know with a 250 gigabyte cap, I could burn through that in like two days if I went if I maxed out my downloads and whatever... For the two days. So yeah, if you had everything queued up and you're like, okay. <laughs> well, and I'm on one of their slowest packages or whatever. Not the slowest because I'm not. I don't want things to take forever. But if you look into like their 50 megabit per second option or 100 megabit per second option, how fast can you burn through that cap? Even at 300 gigabytes if you're going full-on downloading at those speeds. So, I mean, caps just don't make any sense. Yeah. I, I understand, and they've already got a number of throttling techniques where, and I, I forget what they are. I knew them at one point where it's like, if, you, if you're downloading over a certain percent of your connection for X number of minutes, then it'll throttle you back a little ways for however long, and then it'll let you go back up to whatever speeds or whatever. Seems to me like if you're worried about network congestion, throttle only when there's a network connection. Don't have caps or anything. Just 
throttle when it's needed. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, so that's why I was saying I, I love this experiment, you know, this experimentation, because uh, hopefully that's something they'll learn from this. Uh, if they keep trying, that they're they're obviously doing some sort of uh, measurement and analysis and looking at the data, and hopefully the data will be king, and um, yeah, and we'll all be better for it. Well, they seem to be doing a heck of a job at pissing off Reed Hastings with all with everything. So, <laughs> with Netflix, yeah, 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 with his constant complaining about the new Xfinity TV app on like the Xbox and everything, and being able to watch some stuff online that they don't that those things don't count against your caps, which. According to Comcast, that's because apparently that doesn't travel through the open internet. That must be at their servers on the edge that will just do it straight to your house or whatever. And it's not, and the video content isn't actually crossing the internet. So as far as they're concerned, that doesn't violate the whole idea of your data transfer or whatever. But Reed Hastings' point of is that it's like, okay, I can watch the same shows on the Xfinity app as I can on a Netflix app or a Hulu app, yet the Netflix or Hulu app is going to count against my data. Yeah. And that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It does. Well, it does. It it makes sense. I understand both of their points of view, but I think I like Reed's better. (laughs) Well, yeah, because it works better. But he's probably really pissed off not just at Xfinity, but also at Amazon Prime, since they became a lot more competitive in our next story. Yeah, I, this one kind of had me excited a little bit today, that apparently Amazon has a, uh, struck a new deal with Paramount for bringing hundreds more movies to Amazon's Prime Instant Video service. Movies like Braveheart, Forrest Gump, uh, Mission Impossible 3, Clueless, and I think I heard things like Top or Star Trek, Top Gun, and a bunch of others too. Yeah, I I, I am a Prime user. Um, I have a Prime subscription. Uh, I hardly use it. Um, I really should use it more. Um, I got it for a discount, so that's why um, that's why I'm a member. Um, but uh, this may actually, if they um, if they make it available on other platforms, meaning that. Um, I re- I can't get it on my on my um, on my Android phone yet. Um, I would love 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 to start watching more Prime videos. I I have Prime. I and my TV has a built-in app for um, watching Prime as well as Netflix. And then I've got Roku that I can watch the their instant video on and everything and. I find myself hardly ever watching anything on it. I usually pick Netflix over Amazon for some reason. Usually it's because they have more shows that I'm interested in. But hopefully this will help change that a little bit. Yeah, I like how more videos being pushed online to different services. Um, just have them fight. I like to see, uh, you know, competition is great for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this... And if I remember right, or from the story, this isn't actually bringing enough movies 
to Amazon to actually bump up their figure. I think they said that there's like 17,000 mm-hmm. plus movies and TV episodes for the unlimited streaming for Prime subscribe sub- for Amazon Prime subscribers right now, but apparently it, this wasn't enough to bump that up past the 17 to 18,000 or whatever. Yeah, and can I please just say uh, give a good shout out to Sarah Perez who wrote this story and actually went back and found these numbers to show what the impact was according to the way they were reported. Um, so I think that tells a big story um, that it's not increasing the amount of available movies by all that much. Um, that uh, that this might be just uh, only a few of their titles and not all of their titles, um, and more titles might come in the future. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see if maybe they're with this they'll get maybe some more newer movies that have like just come out or something because that's one of the big problems I have with Netflix is all mm-hmm. this stuff tends to be older stuff stuff that came out I don't know 5 10 15 20 years ago yeah not something that was in the movie theater 6 months ago yeah so maybe that's part of the agreement is the the details aren't disclosed but um one thing is for sure, it looks like Amazon Prime and their instant viewing arm of it, uh, they're not sitting by their, uh, on their laurels. They're, they're actually developing the service and not just letting it die. They're becoming a real media powerhouse um, with the Kindle, with their music, um, now with their videos and their TV shows, um, and their e-books. I, I mean, Amazon is just becoming a behemoth. Yeah, I've been amazed at how far they've actually come and just how much pressure they're putting on Netflix. It's kind of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now I'm just hoping it'll make help maybe drive Netflix prices down a little bit. Doubtful, but maybe. Well, I don't know. Uh, if Netflix has more stumbles like they had last year, uh, they might just do that. One can hope so. I don't know. I I thought I heard saw something the other day where they were kind of bringing back the whole quickster idea, but they weren't calling it that or whatever, but they were starting to break apart their services a little bit again or something like that. I don't know. All I saw was the headline, but... I hope not. I have a feeling that's probably not over yet. Mm-hmm. But speaking of things that are far from over, Diablo 3 is now the fastest-selling PC game in history. And that's only been out a week. Yeah, um, that wasn't without any hiccups. With all those uh, activations, um, people are having a lot of problems, but that still didn't slow it down. They got with over 6.2 million uh, that first week, and um, on that first day, within the first 24 hours, they got 3.5 million. That that's crazy. I, I remember seeing. Oh, I can't think of which game it was. It was like a Command and Conquer, Age of Empires, something like that. Years ago, back when it was like the original ones, and I would see them boxed copies in store, and they'd have a little sticker on it, 100,000 copies sold or whatever. Yeah. It's like, gee, how far we've come. Yeah. And you're selling 3.5 million copies in a day. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is a sign of the economy getting better or what, but... Uh, you make a good product, people will buy it. And that's the same with if you're talking about an iPad or you're talking about a video game. 
And I, just, I, I, I really like how it's it's these uh, these app these fun these applications these games uh, these products are are really catching on and really getting widespread. Uh, it makes me excited. I just want to rub this in all the faces of people who say that PC gaming is dead. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. For it seems like there's always people saying that PC gaming is dead, and yet. There are games like this that people have been waiting for. In this case, I think it's like 10 years since Diablo 2 came out. And then within one day, it sells 3.5 million copies. I don't I don't think even franchises like Madden do that every year, do they? No, it's, definitely not. I, I didn't think so. I can't think of any console game that can maybe even have a real run at that outside of maybe Halo or maybe like a Metal Gear Solid or something like that. These are just insane numbers. Yeah, this is definitely something for the record books. Um, And we'll hear... I I just wonder how long this will stand before uh, they get dethroned by the next big PC release. One thing I just thought I would plug, I did post a thing on Global Geek News earlier today of an out-of-order urinal with the error 47 that everybody has been getting in Diablo 3 about the servers being too busy that you can't get online. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to throw that little plug in there. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of curious to see where this goes from here, and I am I would be willing to bet that Blizzard doesn't wait another 10 years to bring out Diablo 4 after seeing this. Yeah, and also hopefully they will revamp their licensing server so that people don't have the problem on their debut day and uh, muddy this great news with all the bad press about their licensing. See, this is why I never buy a game, especially a PC game, the day it comes out. I always usually wait until the first patch is released. Sometimes that is a day or two after it comes out, but I always wait so I don't have these launch day headaches like everybody's been having. Yeah. I mean, you buy it legitimately, and uh, the anti-piracy mechanism is preventing people who spent the money and actually did the right thing from actually enjoying the, the, the product that they purchased, which is just horrible. That's one of the things I hate about newer games is the fact that even if you're just playing single player or whatever, you still have to be online so it can constantly check in with the registration server or whatever to make sure you're not running a pirated copy of the game. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of the things that really annoys me because, especially if you talk about a company like EA, who likes to shut down the servers for their games a year or two after they come out, what happens when you want to play, when you get the itch to play that game five or ten years from now and the servers are gone? Does that mean you can't play the game anymore, or what? Yeah, which is stupid. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of stupid things, Facebook has decided to redo their timeline design already. (laughs) Actually, Uh, I kind of like this change. I I like the change in some ways. In some ways, I don't. Um, I like that they moved the text onto the uh, background image. I like that. Uh, It makes it stand out more. Um, but there are little things that I use all the time that looks like it's going away. For instance, uh, in the friends section, it doesn't. It, they took away um, where it lists the mutual friends, which yeah. I use that all the time. 
Yeah, that's one of the things that I'll definitely miss myself. Right. And uh, the photo section, they got rid of the thumbnail. And I always use that as an indicator of, of if their pictures are public or private. Because if the photo available is only the background image, you know that, that all their pictures are private. If it's something other than that, then you know that you can see um, uh, more of their pictures, which is a, a saves me a lot of trouble. Yeah, I, I can't say I usually go around and look at people's at random people's pictures too much, especially people that I don't already have friended that I as to where I can see their pictures anyway. Well, I but, I don't either, but when I get a friend request, I like to look up the person who's sending me a friend request. If I don't recognize them, I like to go through their pictures to help jog my memory. Especially if their uh, profile picture and their background picture is not of a person. It's a baby or if it's a cartoon character or something like that. I like to go through their pictures and figure out who the heck is sending me the friend request. That's one of the things that annoys the crap out of me is people who don't have themselves in their profile picture. I don't care about the whole big banner picture in the background do something special with that. I don't care. Personally, I have a picture of Star Trek Deep Space Nine on mine. But for the actual profile picture, it should be you. So that yes. way people know it's you. Not your baby, not your dog, you. And not you when you're two years old. Right. Yeah. It should be you in the most recent picture you have. Exactly. How you look as close to every day as possible. So not Halloween either. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the things that, even with, and Twitter's just about as bad with this as people. Oh, worse, worse. Yeah, because at least then you don't have all kinds of pictures to figure out who a person is. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of the things. Like when somebody changes their name, or their screen name, or their picture on Twitter, it really screws me up, and I have no clue who these people are. Mm-hmm. And then when they change them both at the same time. Who is this person? Why am I following them? Exactly. And I follow over five thousand people, so. But yeah, yeah, that's one of those things that just this is a major pet peeve of mine. But I I do like this thing on the design where the information as far as like the job, where you mm-hmm. live, if you're in a relationship or whatever, is moved up on top of that uh, big banner image. I, I think the way they've done they've done that is pretty nice. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Also, how the word, uh, sorry, the name is bigger. The the font size is bigger for the name and makes it stand out a lot more. I I, I, I kind of like that part. And even if I don't like, you know, the two changes I mentioned, the mutual friends and the uh, the photos portion, um, I think the about information being front and center would also might prompt people to update that information if it's outdated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to see how people react when this comes out because normally everybody just goes nuts hating on new designs but this one doesn't seem to be as bad of a change compared to all the design changes in the past of profile pages yeah but yeah people still be pissed (laughs) oh I'm sure there will still be a lot of people that are although should mention that there seems to be no word on when this is actually going to come out Right, right. And we also don't know if this will affect brand pages also. Yeah. Although I have a feeling the sooner they do this, the better, just because maybe that might help their stock price go back up. (laughs) 
I'm fine with that going down. I, I haven't I haven't purchased any yet. Yeah, I haven't either. I I thought when it came out at thirty eight dollars a share, I thought that was probably about double what it should have been anyway. Because the yeah. if you look at the price per earnings on there, it's like a hundred and twenty six times or something like that. Something insane. Yeah, I know, I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but still, one last thing is that there are even rumors that they're thinking about leaving NASDAQ and going to another exchange. Yeah, I, I saw that earlier this afternoon that they're talking about going to the New York Stock Exchange instead after the NASDAQ kind of screwed things up and made trading start a half an hour later, and they're blaming that on why the stock didn't spike. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, whatever. Mark doesn't care. <laughs> he got his money. He got his payday. Yeah, and he got married, so I think he has other things on his mind anyway. Yeah, he'll, he'll have, he has more money than he'll know what to do with. He can buy all the hoodies in the world. Yeah. Well, the thing that amazes me is, I think, when they that he didn't have a hoodie when he got married. I, <laughs> I, I saw a thing the other day of, like, a tux hoodie. I figured that something like that would be perfect for him. Looks like a tux, but it's a hoodie. That's hilarious. <laughs> that would be the perfect thing for him to wear on his wedding day. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that is all of our stories for this episode of the Global Geek News Podcast. Of course, you can, as always, find all of the links to all the stories that we talked about to find any details that we happen to have missed over on globalgeeknews.com where you can find all kinds of other things, almost nearly 2,000 posts of other things, primarily of geek culture, old podcasts, you name it, you can just about find it there. And our old shows. Yeah, all the... I was going to say 95 previous shows, but... Cat, quit throwing stuff out of my closet. (laughs) I believe it's actually 94 shows because I know there was a lost episode. I think it was like episode 47 or something like that. Right. But <laughs> anyway, you can find all those. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes or Zooms or wherever better podcasts are served because you never know when we may pop up with a new episode. Right. Or just find us on our own Twitter handles at PCNerd37. That would be me. Yep. And Wesley83. Yeah, and... At Global Geek News, basically that's the same thing as my PC Nerd 37 account, except with the PC Nerd 37 account, you actually get a whole lot more. But if you're just looking for just Global Geek News stuff, that's where you want to subscribe to, although you'll be missing a lot of good stuff. Until then, I until we have another show, I think that's pretty much it, unless there's anything you care to mention. WesleyFaulkner.com is where to find you. Yes. Uh, no, 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 no other stories. Uh, no other news. Uh, just uh, glad to be on the mic again, and it, it feels good. It feels natural. Yeah, it's been far too long. We need to start doing this a little bit more regularly. Yeah, maybe once a month. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you all later. Bye. <laughs>